I wasn't focused on the numbers. I wasn't focused on who's following me. I was just focused on being myself and just, you know, helping others, sharing value. So it's just crazy how one platform in a matter of a year can do that. Like, again, I still catch myself and I'm like, holy moly. <laughs> I'm your host, Kev, and I would like to thank you all for tuning in. Joining me today is no other than Heleni Vasquez, who is a licensed social worker and a Lennox woman of color. She is the founder of her consulting business, Your Involved Mind, where she is a career coach, helping social workers with personal branding, LinkedIn marketing, and teaches them all the tools they need to secure the next opportunity using LinkedIn as a platform. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation about the power of networking, investing in yourself, and building the social work profession. So first and foremost, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kev. I'm so excited yes. to share some gems for my fellow social workers. <laughs> for real, though. And before we even get into conversation, right, I want to congratulate you on a new social work position and also for getting proposed and married. That's dope. How was that? <laughs> Thank you so much. I was really shocked. I'm very excited all about, you know, moving forward, all about blessings. Mm. And, you know, you never really know what happens until things happen. So thank you again no for problem. your kind words. And I'm just excited. I was yeah. excited. Not to, not to plan a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And also, you had a vacation, too, right? You went to, uh, was it DR? Yeah, I went, I went to DR. My cousin got married. Mm. Um, and then. We went over to Punta Cana, you know, in a resort, and that's where the magic happened wow, <laughs> with the that's proposal. Dope. Nice. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So all, all those blessings, man. Just keep taking them and, you know, run with them. I really like that. So <laughs> let's dive you. in. Um, What made you want to become a social worker? So the famous question that we often get asked, like, why do you, want to, why do you become a social worker? I would say that honestly, due to my current upbringing, I, you know, grew up in low income, was, was raised by a single mother. So I feel that social work found me. And I feel that, you know, because of my current upbringing, I was someone that I always knew that I wanted to help others. I mean, at one point, I even thought of becoming, you know, a doctor working in the hospital. I mean, you know, the helping profession, I just didn't know, like, exactly the social work title. All I knew is that, you know, while growing up, um, especially having like lack of resources and all those things, I was always accustomed to, you know, basically being in the system in a way and needing those resources that definitely came in those times of need. But coming from a place of, you know, I knew that I wanted to help others the way that, you know, others helped me. Um, and, you know, slowly but surely, I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, obviously, I wish back then I would have knew that bachelor's in social work existed because I had no idea. <laughs> if yeah. I knew that it existed back then, whew, I would have gotten that, gotten my MSW prior to, you know, right after getting my bachelor's because it's something that 
after I got my bachelor's in um, psychology, I went straight into the field. So I started working in the field um, and had experience prior to getting my MSW degree. So I already went in there <laughs> with lots of experience. But I guess uh, oh, you would say like maybe my sort of a wake-up call um, when I started first working with at-risk youth in a shelter, which in your New York, you probably know Covenant House. Um, and I started working um, within Covenant House, and, you know, I was even around social workers more. So that was more of a, that's why I decided, like, okay, you know what? I want to be social work. I'm going to go for it. This is it. Um, and I went from there and, and pretty much <laughs> went towards that path. Yeah, and that's dope. And I like the fact that, like, you had this passion for it and that you had, like, these experience that kind of, like, mold you to be a social worker. Because I think when you have those experiences, it makes you a more authentic social worker. It makes you more uh, relatable. Whereas mm-hmm. if you have somebody who just said, hey, I just want to become a social worker because I think it's a good idea, right? I think yeah, their mm-hmm. way of approaching client is going to be totally different. It's not going to like that. It's not The energy is not going to be there, you know? So I think... When you work with your clients, you come with this type of swags, this type of, um, <laughs> now for real though, and this notion of like, hey, I, you know, I, I walked your shoes, I know what you're going through, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the skills in order to uplift yourself, you know? So that's dope. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just sometimes we don't often realize the, you know, the experiences or the path that we have to follow sometimes is right under our noses. And of course, you know, within the field and this profession, there's so much noise that sometimes it can hinder, you know, our, our vision. So it's something about just, you know, being able to realize what are your current strengths and going from there. Yeah. And how did your family and friends feel about you being in this field? Because sometimes when you hear social worker, people think has, no, they, they have different um different ideas of what a social worker is or what it looked like. So what was your um, family and friends um, perspective on it? Another great question. I mean, I feel like with most, you know, families, but especially like, you know, his, me being Hispanic, the moment I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, my whole family was already like, oh, she's a psychologist. She's a doctor. And I'm like, no, that's not, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. And, and they like, said doctor. Know, <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh yeah, she's a psychologist already. And I'm like, I'm not a psychologist. I just have my bachelor's degree. But the thing is that, especially in the Dominican Republic, and as most culture, like, they're, you know, the degree over there is held differently than over here. Like, over there, we you have your bachelor's degree, you could be a doctor, right? Compared to here, that like you have to do, like, a whole bunch of million things. So even, you know, PhD and, and all of those things to even have to be that title, doctor. So but my family always knew that, again, I wanted to be in the helping profession. Um, at one time I did consider medicine, but then I was like, I don't like science. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do all that. Um, and then you can only imagine those, all those tests, the GRE and all those things, which one of the beauties of getting your MSW, there's no GRE, you know, all that test anxiety, but even more so it's coming from a place of like, even to this day, they're like, oh yeah, she's a psychologist. And I'm like, I'm not a psychologist. Even though, well, now that I'm a licensed social worker, right, in that particular mind frame I could be a therapist right but it's coming from a place of just having you know educating them especially what I do um because most people think that you know social work it's like ACS and you know taking kids away and all those things and I'm like no like that's not what we do like there's more to social work than just typical social services and case management so that's pretty much it 
Yeah, and that's a fact. And I like the fact that, um, you know, the way you kind of like um, market yourself, you definitely expand what social work look, uh, looks like. And you take this whole profession to like a whole different level. And I feel like I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing because it also gives the opportunity for other social workers to kind of you know make their own twist to it and you know think about hey what else can I do oh I see Helene doing this then that means that you know I could do that too coming up you know so I think that's dope absolutely and I feel like too goes also goes hand in hand that goes back to to the curriculum of social work school right when you even have to take your current scope of practice whether it's clinical or even macro community research I mean the list goes on. And it's coming from a place of even the start of school puts you in a box and that you feel that you have to, you know, meet a certain, you know, path that is designed for you. Like I did, you know, clinical concentration, went to Florida and I knew I did not want to do therapy. I just picked it because I thought that's what I had to pick. And maybe at one point, you know, I probably thought about it. Um, but I would say I'm more of a macro social worker. So it's coming from a place of just recognizing that this is your degree. This is your path that I always say there's no handbook, right? Just because you went for the clinical route does not mean you have to get your license. Like You don't have to get your license if you don't want to, right? Like I got my license because I like gave myself a goal and I was like, I'm going to get it. And I know that obviously, well, never say never about LCSW, of course, but it's coming from a place of just recognizing like your courage, strength, what you want. Like this is your degree. And I always say social work is what you make it, not what others define for you. Mm. Boom! <laughs> I love that. That was fire. <laughs> oh snap! It's safe to say that you found your purpose. So, what led you to start your own business? I I think yes. So this is something that also goes back to my personality. As you can probably get a sense, I'm, I'm a natural cheerleader, right? As I'm the huge extrovert. I'm a Leo, <laughs> so coming from a place. <laughs> I'm just really out there that just like, you know, I have that bubbly, outgoing personality. And I feel that, you know, through my passions of wanting to help others also came that career aspect. Like I was literally that family member in parties talking about goals. I was like, oh, you need help with your resume, interview. People was like, oh, I need, I need help with jobs. Like I was always that go-to person. And even though like through all, you know, many years doing it for free, most of them was in the helping profession, social workers, you know, my colleagues, or even nurses, teachers. Like it was always something that I was always a go-to person. And like I mentioned, for a long time, I did it for free until about um, fall of 2019. It was actually my boyfriend, well, who's my fiance now. <laughs> he was like, hey, you know, you should like start, you know, putting, creating a platform, you know, put yourself out there or start charging, you know, for these like resumes and all those things. And I'm like, I guess, sure. Right. Like I, I wasn't even like thinking about, you know, coaching or starting a business. I was just like, I'm ready like to help. I'm ready to serve, of course, you know, within the best of my ability to be com- compensated, of course. But the moment I started, especially on Instagram, because I wasn't even on LinkedIn as much as much as I am now. But at that time, and you know, around like September of 2019, I just started, you know, putting content on Instagram, talking about interview prep and all of those things. And then slowly but surely, the moment that I started, you know, identifying myself as a social worker, the community started to grow. My DMs continue, you know, to blow up about like, oh my God, I love. You know, you share your story and this and, you know, me be identifying 
as a Latinx, you know, woman of color and all those things, the people were able to like, oh, like you could be my sister, my cousin, you know, they saw themselves through me. And then that's where the community started growing. And of course, once you start putting yourself out there on social media, all these business coaches start to, you know, <laughs> seek out to you when it comes to like, hey, are you trying to start your own business? All those things. And then at that time, I'm like, you know what? Like, I see that there's a huge disconnect, especially new social workers graduating, not knowing how to interview, not knowing how to market themselves with all of those specific skills I learned myself, especially giving my experience in the field. Like I mentioned before, I started, I got my MSW and um, I graduated in 2018, but I started way before that, like 2013 or so, um, you know, working in the field of, of social services. So it's coming from a place of the moment that I started putting myself out there, I invested in business coaches to show me even more of this industry, you know, register my business as an LLC. And here I am, you know, two years later, of course, now I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> so coming from that place of just showing up and your community will find you 100%. Yeah. So that's pretty much how I started my own business. Okay. And that's wonderful. That's beautiful. And I, I must say, I remember, um, following you on Instagram, like in your early stages, I don't know how, I think it is one of those things where like, I think we have mutual um, friends and you know, we're mm -hmm. both social workers. So I probably found you over like a hashtag and I started following you. I saw, saw your, your work and it's crazy how much you, like you grew. Like that's crazy. It happens. I feel like it happened so fast. I, I think I started following you around the same time, maybe 2019. And then I following, yeah, you started like getting big. I'm like, oh shit. Like Alexis getting up there. <laughs> Um, she's being more consistent with the work that she's putting out. And then I think around the same time, that's when you started really going hard on LinkedIn. And then at the time, uh, I was always on LinkedIn, but it was really more for me to like, I, I treated like the, like an email. Like I was just going there just to check on certain things. And I'm like, oh shit, she's on LinkedIn too. Okay, I see her doing her thing. And then <laughs> things just happen real fast for you. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy that you're saying that because I'm so... Like, I've been on LinkedIn for many years, but, of course, I was not consistently, like, showing up. Like, I literally, next month, actually, July. July of last year is when I started going in on LinkedIn, you know, consistently posting. And I think I had, my community, obviously, on LinkedIn is way bigger than Instagram because I'm, I show up there more. Um, But I started, I think it was, like, around 2,000 followers in July of last year. And, you know, right now it's due, it's tomorrow is July um, 1st. So, right, like I'm at 10K followers now. Wow. And it's just crazy to show, like, I wasn't even, like, folks, like, the thing with LinkedIn is, which we'll definitely, you know, get into, it, it's a platform that it definitely does bring opportunities. Like, there's so many people on the platform. Because of that particular platform, I mean, I'm currently served on two social reports because, of my, you know, consistency on LinkedIn, which one of them is NASW New York. I'm, I'm a committee member in one of the, um, uh, <laughs> you know, platforms that they have and, and group. And then I'm also, I serve as a board member for the Latino Social Work Coalition and Scholarship Fund. Um, and all of that is, was because of LinkedIn. Of course, you know, the list can go on, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's coming from a place. All I did was just show up post content like I do on Instagram and just really show up LinkedIn lives and just basically be myself, right? So my visibility, you know, obviously has exceeded um, and has grew so much just because I just, I just showed up. I wasn't focused on the numbers. I wasn't focused on 
who's following me. I would just focus on being myself and just, you know, helping others, sharing value. So it's just crazy how one platform in a matter of a year can do that. Like, again, I still catch myself and I'm like, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's only been a year because I can't even imagine where I'll be, like, in the next couple of years, like, you know, as I continue this consistency. So that's a fact. It's something that I have to kind of, like, you know, pat myself on the back because I don't, I don't do that often. And I don't then, give myself credit. Nah, that's what's up though. And also, it's a small work. I actually got a scholarship from that coalition um, about, I think, two years ago. Oh my um, God, that's amazing. Graduate. Yeah, so it's kind of dope that Congrats. you want that. Yeah, and it helped out a lot for me too. So that's dope. Absolutely. That is an amazing, for those who don't know, I'm a Latino social work scholarship, you know, give scholarships to, you know, social work um students and you know pay at least you know some some portion of their degree you know to help them go to school so it's a, definitely a you know particular <laughs> platform that if you're not following make sure you connect with them because they're doing we're all doing amazing things yeah for a fact and can you walk me through your like your first experience with working with a client like in regards to your business because i know when you do anything for the first time, you, you kind of have that imposter syndrome or, you know, you, you feel like, uh, I'm not sure if I'm doing it the right way. So can you like share some of your experience? Were you nervous or you felt like you had it? Oh, I was nervous 100% because <laughs> there's a difference between when you first work for an employer and, you know, they're teaching you and, you know, you're just, you know, you're kind of following your own way. But it's different when you have your own business and clients are paying you directly to, you know, basically change their life, right? So at the beginning, you know, when I was still learning my specific, like, you know, methods or framework, it was definitely like, you know, I was nervous because I'm like, oh my God, you know, that imposter syndrome kicking in, like, I'm not going to be able to help this person, all this pressure. Again, at the beginning, when I was still learning the specific, like my specific um, method of practice, you would say, right? Like my specific, you would say in the social world, my intervention. So at that point, I was nervous, but, you know, the moment that, again, going, I would say within my um, line of work with my business, I do a lot of motivational interviewing, a lot of solution focus, and, you know, I just was in that particular mindset. I had that framework with, you know, my first client, and the moment that I just realized the impact that I was making for that one person who helped them feel confident after their consistent you know, years of battle, not like, you know, like, like not feeling their best self. Like the moment I would help them to, to make that switch, to just feel like that they can, you know, that they were able and they did, you know, to seek a leadership role within their organization. Like that's where everything clicked. And I was like, wow, like I have like, I don't want to say the power, like I, I, like, I don't like that word, but you know, like I felt so empowered within to realize that like I can help others do the same. By just consistently being myself, like 100% being myself and coming from a place of, you know, like love, coming from a place of, you know, generally wanting to help others feel good within, like it just changed everything for me, right? Because after like, for my brain, I needed that evidence, right? Like I needed that evidence to know like, okay, what I'm doing is working. Um, and once I saw that it did, and then I consistently started, you know, doing it again and again and again. And, you know, like, I would say I have like a 99% success rate and I always leave that 1% because, you know, 
I always tell everyone or even like potential clients, I'm here to give you the framework and the tools and you know, I'll give you that 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 push and that motivation, but at the end of the day you have to, you know, go out there and do the work. Um, that's why I'm always very selective of who I work with because if I feel that I can't help you or you feel that you're not gonna, you know, do what you need to do, I won't work with you. Right. And it's coming, you know, within the social work field, right? Like if, if you feel that you can't help someone, you're not going to like, you're not going to do it. Right. Because then it's like, you're just going to be chasing this person around. Right. But yeah, I, I, well, I'm like also getting flashbacks to, you know, my first client who, and then, yeah, I was just having a moment that I'm like, Oh my God, going back to, you know, you don't give your, you don't give yourself enough credit. Yeah. To everything that you have accomplished. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think um the, the the part that I really love about what you said was the sense of uh, accountability with your clients, like not doing the work for them, but also reminding them that hey, this is a contract, right? This is a working relationship. I'm gonna be helping you, but you have to put in the work too. Because I feel like sometimes a lot of coaches they they try to do all the work for that for that client, and the client's not really benefit um from the service in the long run because you know, they they so used to somebody doing the work for them. So they're not really getting that self-determination, you know. So I think for you, a lot of your clients are getting that self-determination. They're getting those skills, right? And they could use those skills for a long time and look back like, hey, you know, she helped me out. You know, I got this job because of her, right? But not just mm-hmm. because of her, because I put in the, the, the time and, right, and I, I felt supported. Because that's what you're technically doing, too. You're supporting them through that journey, they have a person right in their ear telling them, hey, they could do it, right? And that's dope because not everybody has that, right? A lot of times exactly. they just doing it on their own. And imagine coming straight out of grad school, how intimidated that, that could be, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and it definitely, you know, can feel so intimidating. And, you know, again, like I'm someone who keeps it real. I, I, I know that you probably got a sense of my personality. Like if someone's coming for me for just particular like, okay, I want to know how to find a job or, or I need help with my resume or anything like that, then, you know, I'll tell someone, hey, you know, go on YouTube, right? So it's coming from a place of like, if they just want information, then go get information. Because what I do is, you know, I provide a, a I would say life-changing because going back to, I'm teaching you how to feel confident. I'm teaching you how to put yourself out there, which is something that, you know, you can't get by looking at a YouTube video, right? And it's something that, which sometimes, you know, if there's some good videos, yes. But I think you got my, my particular concept that it's something that like I'm here to push you and, and I'm here to challenge you in the best way because like you said, some people don't have, like never had that, right? Coming from a, respectfully, of course, I don't want to make a scene that I'm like, you got to do this now. <laughs> Definitely not my personality, but coming from a place of helping them realize their highest potential um, and then just showing them the way. That's pretty much like how I work. So I wanted to also mention that. Okay. And that's what's up. And in what areas do you think the profession needs to do a better job in advocating on behalf of social workers and encouraging them to invest in this field? Because sometimes there's a, like a, a lot of a, a burnout, right, or a high turnover, and it could be for many different reasons. So what what are ways that you think that the profession could either change that or, um, you know, better equip workers um, to get in the field and do the work? Great question. I will honestly say it first starts in school because school puts all that pressure when it comes to the type of path that you use that, you know, making students feel like they need to follow a certain path from their internship 
to, you know, what they pick, like putting them in a box. So I feel like there needs to be more freedom when it comes to just like learning, right? Like just because you pick clinical doesn't mean you have to do a clinical concentration, right? Maybe there can be a balance of both. And I know every school works differently, but it's coming from a place of, like I always say, and you know, definitely remember this day if it ever happens, like I want to create, you know, a, an elective or make it part of the social or curriculum. Maybe, I mean, I always play around with titles, but something along the lines of maybe like equity in the workforce to show social workers, students, at least early on, how to market themselves, how to interview and, you know, how to really have a positive mindset, you know, and positive syndrome because, yes, every school has a career um, department, which is great, but they don't really dig deep. They just like, oh, this is how you do a resume. This is how you do this and that. But they don't really dig deep. And I feel like as social workers, we first need to kind of have, you know, I would say like a little therapy session, right? Like coming from a place of everyone to first be aware of any triggers they may have, um, just to have a level of awareness early on so they can know where their career skills align. Because not saying that if you have experienced trauma, you won't be able to work with individuals who have experienced trauma but you know kind of first recognizing all your current limits and being able to just have that awareness early on can make a huge impact for your career and then the second thing would be of course like the profession itself making you know trying to die down all of this noise that social workers have to go into foster care social workers have to go into social services like there's so much like if you want to do marketing if you want to do you know communications if you want to teach like making sure there's more awareness to the possibilities as opposed to what other things that you're supposed to do, right? Because it also goes with that pressure of like, you just graduated, you gotta get your licensure and all those things. Like, you know, I recently passed my licensure in December of 2020 after multiple attempts. And this is something that I always share because ever since I graduated in 2018, I mean, I've done so many programs and there's so many things out there I never, you know, saw anyone what program, but the main thing that I need to highlight is the reason I was able to pass last year is because I focused on my mindset. I focused on, you know, anxiety and I validated my current successes and told myself that that test was not going to define, you know, my future. And once I was able to get in that particular mindset, it helped me sleep with ease, right? Instead of me trying to, um, like pretty much not deal with my anxiety, I was able to cope with my anxiety and recognize that, okay, that currently feels some type of way, you know, let me pull back, let me take a break, both to trying to work through it. So I feel like it's just a, a numerous thing, which is what I'm so passionate, you know, about. I always say I'm on a mission to uplift and elevate this profession because it's something that, you know, you do not need to be in a box, especially early on. Yeah, That's something that, you know? Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think the part that you mentioned about school, I think school could definitely play a better or a more impactful role in regards to how they train graduate students in order to prepare for the field. So one thing I'm thinking about is like, you know, having that, like an elective course they last year, and then it's focused on the different opportunities that they could use with their degree, um, with their degree. And, mm-hmm. you know, even having like guest speakers, and I feel like you will be like a perfect person, like a professor running that, that <laughs> class and it's straight, you know, giving them the information that they need throughout that whole year. Because I feel like that's something that we need besides internship, besides um, classwork, 
And Best believe is on my bucket list. I'm yeah. telling you, I don't know what. I just, you know, you have to find the right connection and just, you know, pitch it to the dean. So that's something that, you know, it's going to take some time. But, you know, even if I, even if I create in other teachers, because, you know, I'm all about uplifting and, and empowering others. It's just that is needed. Like, there's no way that we invest so much money in this degree and, and come out feeling lost. Like, there's no way. Like, it, it, we need to do better. That's we need fact. to do better to just feel like, you know what? Like, wow, like, I have all these skills that like, I can't stress enough. And, I, you know, I, I speak also at universities and I have in the past, you know, to grad, um, upcoming social work grads. And, you know, when I have conversations, they're also, you know, they're feeling scared. They're feeling unsure. They're, they're feeling doubtful of their current skill set. Right, because you know the particular curriculum does, and, and it's something that this curriculum has been the same for many years. They feel like we have definitely evolved as a profession, so yep. it's time to like definitely update that curriculum. Like, there's no way we're still learning the same thing that was, you know, through our founders. Like, there's just no way. That's a fact, <laughs> no though. way that that's, that's still the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> And I also think that people should look at your LinkedIn page for inspiration. And, you know, we did speak about your page and how you, you gain a huge amount of following. Right. Can you share how you landed your job through LinkedIn and what that's, uh, and what that experience was like for you? Absolutely. So when it comes to LinkedIn, the first thing I want to say, if you are looking at my LinkedIn profile, please do not get overwhelmed because I know people look at it they try to like compare and make their profile just like mine i want everyone to know my profile is a from coming from a business standpoint as a job seeker someone who wants to network there's only three things that you need to keep in mind when someone comes to your profile first it needs to say who you are what you have to offer and what you're currently seeking if it's a new job list it. if you're currently in a job and you want others to know that you're looking for a job just put let's network Right. So it's coming from a place of making it easy for someone to view what you have to offer. Obviously, if you go to my profile, you definitely know that I have, you know, current skill set and my experience and that I help social workers do X, Y, and Z. So that particular standpoint is how I landed my current role being a talent equity manager for a nonprofit here in New York, which I'm recruiting social workers for the organization's community schools through multiple positions. But it's coming from a place of, by me just showing up on LinkedIn, by, by me engaging and getting in front of other people's, you know, basically eyes, I was able to land this particular role by just showing up because the, you know, one of the VPs reached out to me and they were like, hey, you know, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while. You know, I'm currently aware of your current skill set. We currently have this role, which I feel you'll be perfect for. And mind you, I wasn't even looking. I was just like, Continue to show up and then the social reached out. I looked at the job description. I was like, wow, this is like in a pure alignment with my business and my goal and my mission, you know, for social workers. You know, right away that same week, I went on an interview and the following week, I got a, a job offer. Like it was as simple as one, two, three yeah. by me just continue to show up. Right. And for any job seeker and you grab right now, you're like, Oh my God, but you you have so many followers and you've been there consistent. There's no way that I, you know, could do what you do. I'm here to tell you, you can. I teach my clients, you know, the same simple method that whether you're introvert, whether you're extrovert, the same method still applies. First, going with optimize your LinkedIn profile to what you want to attract. 
mm-hmm. if you don't want to post content, that's okay, but still engage with other people on this platform. It can be something of, let's say someone posted that they got their social work license, right? And you couldn't congratulate them. It could be that, you know, someone posted an article and you want to give your opinion. Like, don't be afraid to add a little bit of you, which is more of that personal branding, right? Um, that uh, people often talk about. Like, don't be afraid to add, like, what, you know, is important to you because somebody is always watching. And even though this opportunity, someone reached out to me, but believe with the past year, I've had so many people reach out to me regarding roles. I just was not interested, right? It's about, you know, the right opportunity. I'm a huge believer that the right opportunity literally is not, will knock on your door when you least expect it. And that's what happens. And happens for my clients too. I mean, I help them optimize their LinkedIn profiles to what they want to attract. And recruiters, hiring managers are there, are in their DMs. Because I always say, just take that one opportunity to, you know, get you your dream job or your next opportunity pretty much. And that's dope. And that's how I land in any role. <laughs> <laughs> and that's dope. I like the fact that you, you mentioned like, oh, waiting for the right opportunity and not like settling for things that you know, like, hey, that's not for me. It's good that people's reaching out to me, but it's not it. I need something that match my needs because I feel like sometimes people or social workers, we rush to like the first thing that comes our way because we feel like, damn, I don't know if I might have another opportunity, right? So I think mm-hmm. it's good that you time yourself. And by the way, is the VP name is Derek? Yes. Yeah, I know him. Dope individual. Shout out to Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's mad cool, though. He really is. You see, it's a small world. It's mm-hmm. a small world. Oh, my God. And he'll probably listen to this. He'll probably be like, hey, hello, me. Um, but it's coming from a place, too, that, that I want to recognize that, you know, it's Trust me, I've been a job seeker. I've job hopped multiple jobs. And, you know, this is the first time that I'm stepping into a role that is not social services, right? I'm more HR. Um, and, you know, obviously making sure there's like equity among the organization. So it's a, it's a mix of both. But what I'm trying to say, like, I'm not going to lie, like, even though I have my own business, it was scary to pivot from being eight years in social services with, you know, case management and dealing with you know, children with complex trauma and ACS, like for a long time, that's all I knew, even though, yes, having my own business. But, you know, it's different when you actually do this in your nine to five. So it's something that, like, it just fits so perfectly, as you can see. Like, it just it just fits so perfectly with what I do in my business and then just my overall goal. So never be afraid to, you know, say no, right? Because it's, I always told myself when I, in my previous role, I used to be a social work supervisor, you know, working for health homes, working with children, you know, who have complex trauma and medical, medically chronic conditions. And I always told myself, I am not leaving that agency in this role until whether I get into teaching at a university or doing something that's in alignment with my business. And then look, the right opportunity came at the right time. Boom. That's it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's dope that you you went somewhere where you can enhance the skills that you already have because basically it's like somewhat investing in your own self. Like your job is investing in you and you're not really investing in your job. That makes sense. So I think that's dope, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Uh, and never be afraid of discomfort. That's one thing that, you know, mm. I often tell my clients, like, don't like don't be afraid to pivot a little. Okay? Like don't don't only seek what you know because then you're going to stay stuck. Right. And I think that's a poly, which obviously I had my business, but for the same time, like 
if everything becomes too second nature and you're not feeling challenged, then that's a sign that it's, it's time to move on, right? Because if you're like, if you're kind of bored at your job, <laughs> then that's a sign that, okay, it's time to challenge myself. Because remember, we always have to seek opportunities that's going to give us that ability to grow and not, you know, because there's a difference between being good at your job and then just being bored. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Now for you, do you, how do you know or how do you negotiate your salary, especially if you don't have the experience? Oh, another question to get asked all the time. So if you're a new grad, I will honestly say I want you to first validate your internship experience, you know, your volunteer experience, any experience you have had, even if it wasn't a social work, because all of those skills are transferable skills. So that's the first thing I want to highlight. The second thing is, of course, do your research. If you're currently, you know, a new grad and you're about to step into your first therapist role, and let's say, you know, depending on your state, obviously we're both in New York, but, you know, making sure that you first do your research when it comes to, I'm going to give an example, nonprofit in New York, right? For um, go on Glassdoor, scale, sometimes Indeed, and just do your research to put like therapists, right? And see what they're currently offering. For new grads, I must say all of these numbers are not going to be to the T. Right? They're not going to be like so exact, but you can kind of get a range. Like, ooh, you know, for new grads, they're offering around fifty. Um, you know, licensed or not licensed. You know, coming from a place of first having that background information, and of course, most organizations, um, you know, do list the current salary range on the website, and sometimes they don't. But also coming from a place of you're a new grad, right? And you don't, and you do have internship experience, but you know not much experience, and you know that for some reason, um, they're currently, you know, for new grads that say they're offering fifty without a license, then you need to know and hold yourself like, you know, have the level of awareness. That, okay, I'm not going to go after sixty when I know that for new grads they're offering fifty with, you know, this years of experience. So you want to kind of hold your experience on a scale. Right. And then have your numbers identified. So that's the first step. The second step is, especially me being in the recruiter world right now, I definitely understand when it comes to, you know, the particular process. So the first thing is, you know, you apply, let's say you, you have your numbers identified. Um, and let's say for some reason, um, the recruiter will probably call you and say, Hey, you know, I want to let you know that the range is, you know, 45 to 50. In your head, you're like, Okay, for most like new grads, therapist level, they start at 50. You're not going to negotiate right there. You're, you're just going to say that seems reasonable, right? Unless they come with, oh, it's less than 45, then you don't want to waste your time, right? Because it, 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 you can kind of get a sense of how flexible they can be depending on the conversation, right? Sometimes they'll be like, oh, it's less than 45K. You're like, okay, that's not going to be, you know, that negotiable. Or they may give you like an exact number. And or they may not bring it up, but that can be like the first step. Then, of course, you have the interview process and they may ask you there. And if they tell you, what are your current salary expectations? I want you to remember in this particular um, time in your interview process, they don't know you fully. So you don't want to go, well, this is what I want. I want you to come from a place of, you know, I'm currently seeking at this time an opportunity that's going to fit, you know, in best, my best interest and to ensure that. You know, I'm, I'm part of an organization that meets my current, um, you know, vision and it's in alignment with my values. You know, some of those things coming from like a, a place of I'm wanting to make a change. If they keep insisting, 
then you can, you know, kind of give, you know, your particular number. And I always say, always aim for the middle number, right? So this is where doing your research comes into play. Because if you're like, okay, the market value is at 50, um, you obviously want to shoot for the move for 60. And then you're like, okay, I'm not going less than, let's say, 47 or so. Um, I mean, then 45, then you definitely want to aim for that middle number, right? It really comes from a place of you identifying what works for you and your current finances right now. Um, but also having that particular information with research. So if for some reason they say, you know, the first particular interview, they they asked you and you said, you know, at this time I'm currently speaking of this fit and, and they said, okay. Then if you were to move forward and they make the offer, do not negotiate over the phone. What I always tell my clients to do is thank you so much for the opportunity. Would it be possible for me to have this offer in writing along with the benefits package for me to review to ensure it's a good fit for me and my family? And I will get back to you within 24 hours. Here's the key. Because they're giving you an offer over the phone. It's not official until it's in writing. Mm-hmm. So if they give it to you in writing, then it makes it official. And if you try to negotiate and then they decline, you cannot rescind the offer. Right. So if you have it in writing, then you're able to email them back and highlight why, you know, the reason why you want to negotiate. This is where your research comes into play, the market value, your experience, what they're looking for, the job description and highlighting all of those specific skill sets. One other thing to keep into mind is they're like, no, we need a decision right now. I can't send you that. That's a red flag. Like, do you really want to work for an organization that's not going to give you the time of day? And give you the information that you need because one thing that I also want to highlight is, you know, you can, if for some reason, you can also negotiate vacation time. You can negotiate to work from home. Like there's so many things that you can negotiate that it's not only salary because sometimes the benefits could outweigh the current salary offer. So I want to mention that as well. Yeah, and that's dope. And I think I'm, I'm glad you said that because sometimes as new workers, you don't really think about negotiating, especially like other means, like besides like the salary, right? Vacation times is a big thing, right? Because some people, they don't really care about the money, but they care about their, their time with their family, things of that nature. And I feel like every person is different. So, you know, everybody's going to have a different approach to it, right? Because like one for me, it may be more like, hey, I need more money. For another person, it may be like, hey, I need more time with my family because I have kids. You feel me? I may have to work. Or you have a set schedule, like eight to four. Exactly. So that's dope. So also, I I feel like from what you said in the conversation I'm hearing, it's also knowing your worth too and understanding like, hey, um, I have to pretty much negotiate certain things and be comfortable doing so, without feeling like, hey, I'm 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 pushing or I'm being picky. And I feel like sometimes people have to understand that at the end of the day, you have to do the work. But you also have to live. Your needs have to be fulfilled, right? Because you could be working a job that's cool, but if your rent is like, I would say like eighteen hundred, but mm-hmm. you're not really making like a a fifty k salary, then you're gonna be struggling. And then if you're struggling at home, then you know it's gonna it's gonna affect your your work environment because now you're gonna be taking that to work with you, right? So everything has a to me everything is a domino effect for real. So you really have to think hard and what you want and how the salary is going to have an impact on your life, right? 
Oh. Absolutely. And the role itself, I mean, I, I also want to quickly highlight, you know, the work environment. Like sometimes, yes, people speak money, but remember at times, at times, because everyone's different, at times money's not everything because you can have a high paying job and be miserable in a toxic work environment. Yep. But you can have, you know, a job that, you know, pays you um, decent, you have great benefits and it's a great work environment. So it's coming from a place of first, you know, really validating what's important to you. If it's money, then do what you need to do, right? But if it's something like, I want to be happy and I don't want to be miserable and I don't want to be burned out, then you need to also take all of those things into consideration, whether it's that schedule, working from home, summer Fridays. I mean, the list goes on to making sure that, you know, you have that quality life, (laughs) quality life and not just feeling like I'm check to check, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's other things too. And you yeah. can do it if, if your overall goal is money, start a side So, you know, teach, a tutor. I mean, the list goes on. There's so much things that, you know, one can do. Yeah. Can you share something that you learned this past year or last year? I've learned which is something that I continue to tell myself is that I'm in control. My actions are determined by my thoughts, as we know within social work. So that's something that. You know, at the end of the day, I am my biggest barrier and I have to continue, you know, to do like thought work, right? When I mean thought work is, you know, if I have any limiting beliefs when it comes to, you know, my own abilities, I need to, you know, check myself <laughs> and remind myself that I'm doing the best I can. And I feel like that has been the reason I've been able to, you know, come thus far is because I give, you know, I continue to validate my current successes and I continue to be okay and, and telling myself that less is, less is more. Um, and just living my life, honestly. I, I feel like when I first started, I, I'm someone that, you know, I'm always in that, you know, hustle and grind mentality. Um, and as you know, I'm, I'm huge when it comes to um, self-care and setting boundaries for myself. So I feel like in the last year, I've, I've learned to be more at peace because I have learned how to say no more. And I have learned how to, you know, continue to pat myself on the back when I needed the most. I love that. Let me show you some love. <laughs> sometimes, I love that. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> because sometimes we don't know how to say no. Like, and this is a simple word, but a lot of times it's, it's a hard word to kind of like, say it right so i'm glad that you you have that skill because not, not everybody can say no right it's um, hard i get it like it's hard and you know especially being in this field like i was someone at least like early on in my sexual career like i got so burned out when i worked in foster care so point like i had panic attacks so i always told myself like i never want to experience that again and you know of course when you first start your own business or any particular platform or anything that you're trying to do then, you know, it's more expectations and pressure that one can feel. But then, you know, from time to time, you have to remind yourself, like, this is your life. You know, the the biggest difference that I've learned is that if you have your own business, you're in control. Like, you're your own boss. So you can do whatever you want. So if you don't want to attend that meeting, if you don't want to do this, you don't want to do that, then you can say no. Right? And, of course, you could say no in your, in your 9 to 5 as well, right? Like, I also want everyone to know that you could also set boundaries you're currently feeling overwhelmed but never lose sight that you're in control this is your life and lastly what is one advice that you can give to the audience out there that are tuning in right now any words of encouragement spoken words i would say is i mean kind of like everything that i've been saying is just 
continue to validate where you are right now. Recognize that everything you have to offer right now, you know, you are more than enough. Anything that you don't know, you will learn. And I hope that you just sit with that because sometimes, you know, just like I express, sometimes we don't give ourselves the credit, you know, enough credit to be able to validate and recognize everything that we have to offer. So even if you're a new grad, you're a seasoned social work, just know you are in control. This is your career. This is your life. There's no social work handbook, as I always say. And recognize that, you know, you decide the path that you want. And if you're currently in a situation or a toxic work environment or just, you know, currently struggling right now, just know that this won't be forever and there's going to be a way out. So that's my my message to everyone because I know and I've been there, especially in hard times that we feel like this is it and we cannot, like there's no way out. But I'm here to remind you there is and there will be. It's all about, you know, just, just, you know, um, trusting the process, which I know everyone hates that word, but (laughs) it's true. (laughs) If someone wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, you know, I'm everywhere. So if, I'm, if you're on LinkedIn, make sure to please follow me on LinkedIn by my name, Heleni Vasquez. I'm also on Facebook by my name, Heleni Vasquez. And I'm on Instagram, Your Evolved Mind, and making sure that, you know, I also have a podcast called Social Work Insider. So making sure whichever platform you are on, please message me. I love voice notes. You know, I'm always here. As everyone knows and my community knows, like I am that person that I will respond back. I'm so coming from a place of just reach out to me. I would love to chat and I'm here to help. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review. Remember, you can connect and follow us on our social media pages to stay informed. Links will be provided in the episode notes. Thank you for tuning in. Remember this. This is the only podcast that speaks facts.